This episode is not sponsored, but we encourage you to help support the small businesses, charities and organisations that we mention. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Our Circle. I'm Rhiannon. And I'm Jess. And today we have a very special guest host with us because we are going to be covering the topic of politics. Now, I don't want everyone to suddenly click on and be like, nope, don't want to hear a thing. We are going to be as neutral as possible. We are just coming here from a place of wanting to learn, getting to cover all the basis. And we thought we would have our own little expert with us. So please welcome Rich, who is the fiance of our previous our circle guest host James Armion, but he is also a data and infographic app creator and appreciator. He's also an elections, transport, films, Lego, and history geek. Please welcome Rich. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. We're so happy to have you because I think Jess and I have been saying this, and we said it to you actually before we started recording. We come from what we feel as a generation that was just never taught politics we weren't really ever I I don't remember at school ever do you Jess? No if if it was taught it was way too brief I think all of the education is pretty much um, whatever your family's stance are and it's put upon you rather than you thinking for yourself so um, I'm really excited about today to learn a bit more. Definitely so I guess to start off with, Rich, could you please, if possible, give us a breakdown of UK politics? So how is the government run in the UK? Um, We have like different parties and stuff. We want to sort of get into all of that, the durations of terms. Break it down for us, if you can. Mm. Take it away. (laughs) That's a big task and a very big ask, but I will try my hardest. So we apparently, I say apparently, (laughs) live in a constitutional democracy. So Mm. we but we don't have a constitution. Right. <laughs> so if, I hear that word? Yeah, <laughs> like so yeah, this is going to happen. So constitution is basically a written down code of how government uh, is meant to run for that society. So in ah. the States, they have a, once they broke away from us, our spirits, because they wanted, didn't want to have a monarchy because we were, long reasons anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go into that. Um, they wrote down the constitution saying they had to have a president, they had to have a separate judiciary, and they had to have a separate gov- uh, a separate parliament. Which so it's they, like a rule, basically, like a yeah, rule book. It's like a set rule, which was like this, this. The French have it as well because because they went through very Republican. Um, you know, Germany has got a type. We in the UK didn't, we haven't got anything written down because we have always had a monarchy since... And the same with, uh, this is where I'm bringing Scotland in. Mm-hmm. Scotland and us, English, Welsh, mm-hmm. however you want to say, have had a monarchy since the, uh, uh, since, you know. Forever. Forever, basically, <laughs> yeah. over a millennia, okay? Yeah. So through that development, people have gained power off the monarchy, okay? Yeah. And their first of all, that was the rich barons, who are the lords. Second of all, that was rich merchants, who have turned into the House of Commons. And we as people... Oh have then had the power to elect those MPs in the Commons. Okay? I had no understanding of that just to start with. Like, I never even thought of, like, the history of why we have House of Commons or anything like that. This makes mm. a lot more sense. Thank you. <laughs> Continue. So, no, it's cool because, as you said, no one, we don't get taught anything at school. When you get history, you get, here's the Tudors, here's the Victorians, here's World War yeah. II. Yeah? yeah. And you don't get taught politics. Now... The I'd say the under 21s will probably have gone through citizenship 
which she thinks was the aim. Uh, but mostly probably people of my age <laughs> who were born in the 80s and going into the 90s, we wouldn't have had this kind of stuff. But we had PSHE, mm -hmm. but that was very much more about <laughs> yeah. other stuff, wasn't it? It was never about politics. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, going back to what we were saying, yeah, you've got your monarchy, you've got your lords, and you've got your commons. Mm -hmm. Okay, That's the main structure of the parliament. Right. And then we have the judiciary laws, courts, judges, prisons, stuff, mm -hmm. who are technically meant to be separate, okay. <laughs> but like this, but aren't. Because, <laughs> okay. <laughs> because, they, because they are run by the government, okay? okay. Um, but saying that, really easy way to think about it, okay? The judiciary, those law courts, they are not there to make law, they are there to implement the law. So okay. the government makes the law, politicians make the law, the law courts, the police systems, prisons implement the law. Got it. Yeah, yeah is, that makes is sense. That, is, is that a very clear difference? Yes, <laughs> we're with you. Yep, we're with <laughs> you so far. <laughs> I think what people, people go, oh, the politicians have made this law. So, you know, and that's that's the correct. Yes, they have made the law, but they're not the ones who then implement the law. And right. that's the police, the law courts, the prison system. And you have to tear those bits apart because otherwise you start... Uh, in this country, we have a we have a very mixed system where someone's making one law and someone's making another law, but they're all implemented by the judiciary system. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Lovely>. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, so that's our structure of government. Okay, is in is in monarch, lords, MPs. Okay, yeah. judiciary on the side who implement, and then you've got us who are the voters and the electors. Mm -hmm. Everybody above 18 in England, Wales, Northern Ireland, and in Scotland, except for the House of Commons, everyone above 16. Okay? okay. So, and this is where I'm going to go on and get bit, because there isn't just the House of Commons. Yeah. <laughs> there is a flood of different elected positions in this country. Mm. And actually, just to just to note for everyone, so today is we're recording on the 29th of May. So on the 6th of May, we had um, an election. And this is kind of why I wanted to discuss this because I, we, I've kept my little booklet here just to show anyone who's um, who's it. This was for the Mayor of London and London Assembly elections. Jess lives in a different uh, borough technically to, to us, so she wasn't uh, given one of these. She was given one for her area. And it sort of covers very, very briefly the candidates, but it sort of breaks down how we get involved and what are sort of things to do with so it would explain how the voting works and things like that, which is great. But part of me was sort of like, this needs to be broken down more. I need to understand this a lot more. So this is why we're sort of doing this. Totally. So this is where we come down to, and this is the nitty gritty. And I'm sorry for your read, <laughs> your listeners, your viewers. It's going to get very rough because <laughs> it depends on where you live, depends on what type of elections you get, and depends right. on how you've experienced the voting system. Yes. So let's start that when I was saying about MPs. The whole four nations of the UK, Northern Ireland, Wales, England, Scotland, send MPs to London to sit in the House of Commons. And the country is broken down into little districts called constituencies. Right. Okay? Mm -hmm. And every person has one vote for what for one candidate in that constituency okay mm -hmm. and so for example if you were uh, if you were living in say london you've got there are 50 roughly about 52 constituencies that make up the whole city 
Okay, if you are living up in Northern Ireland, there's 18 for the whole of Northern Ireland, but they are all geographically focused on one area. It's called First by the Post. So mm -hmm. what a candidate has to do is get a simple majority. So they have to literally get more votes than any other person on the candidate list. And it, people tend to vote on the party lines of what they, so they don't really know who their candidate is. I think, pe unless you've got a famous mm. candidate. So for example, I live in Kingston and Surbiton. So I have Sir Daly, who is the leader of the Lib Dems. And people who live in Uxbridge have Boris Johnson, who's the leader of the Conservatives and the Prime Minister. So those are quite famous Names. Yeah. senior politicians. But if you live, you know, I don't know, somewhere like Paul West, or uh, I don't think that's even constitutionally Paul, <laughs> or, or East Devon, I would really struggle, and I am a very big, big data nerd to name your MP because mm. there are 600, and, I think 650 MPs to remember. And right. you, even data nerds like me kind of go, oh, are they MP for X region or are they MP for over there? And yeah. you know, it's really, really hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, Jess, where do you live? Sorry. Belthorne. Belfort, right. Yeah. Belfort is on the east straddles of the London Surrey borders. You, I think you have an MP that is for Spelfort, but I have no idea who that is. And Unfortunately, I, I can't tell you either. Exactly. So. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah? yeah. You live in your constituency and you can't name your MP. Mm. That's not your fault. That is the fault of the system because the right. system doesn't really want you to know who your local MP is. Not because they're trying what I was thinking. I was like, there's a big strategy thing behind a lot of this that sort of deters a lot of people, whether it's our age, whether it's younger, older, it tries to sort of make them not be interested so that they can sort of almost get away with politics. Me trying to stay neutral here. <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult because you have, you, you bring in your own experience, yes. which isn't actually bias. It's actually just what you felt. I think you have to go away from bias and, you know, so for example, you, you know, living in spell form, you are MP, Jess, no idea. That's because probably the party, I think it is conservative in spell form, the whole system behind it is a giant list across the country. They select 650 MPs, different parties do it in different ways. I won't go into that because you don't have time, <laughs> but, but, the, but when you get a massive majority like the conservatives currently do in the House of Commons, you're not going to really remember the amount of MPs there are is in by by name. And unless you have someone like, for example, Caroline Lucas, who's down in Brighton, who is the Green MP, she's one MP, she's a very big figure. She's a very big constituency MP. She she's well known. Does that make sense? Yeah? Yeah. She, so people know who she is in her constituency because she makes a big deal of I'm your MP because I'm the one person from this party who elects, you know. Right. You've got a majority. You don't need to do that because you're relying on a what we what I would describe as a hold vote. So if you're not in a swing seat, so there are swing seats in the country which will have a very small majority, which will go between certain parties. So traditionally in southern England, uh, a lot of conservative are strong seats where the MP doesn't need to go around knocking on every door. Right. They don't need, yeah, and this happens in Labour-held northern seats as well, where they don't need to knock on every door because they know people are going to vote for that particular party in that particular area. The swing seats, not to sort of complicate everything for the listeners right now, but for, if anyone is familiar with swing states in yes. elections, is it, is it like that then? So it literally has the ability to go whichever way, it can swing it can whichever go. way. 
So let me give you an example in London. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have a seat around Wandsworth, which is Battersea. Okay? okay. And that is made up of Wandsworth, Battersea, and parts of Clapham Junction. Mm -hmm. That is a swing seat because it can it has previously voted Conservative and has now voted Labour either way. Does right. that make sense? It's yeah. very small margins. Yeah. It doesn't, there is no set pattern. Someone like Jeremy Corbyn or Diane Abbott, who are in East London, have majorities of up to nearly 60%. Wow, okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's quite a lot. That's quite a lot. They've been, okay. So someone like Diane Abbott has been an MP, I think since like 1984. Okay. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Harriet Harman, who is... Uh, in Camberwell and Peckham. Uh, she won a by-election in 1982, and she's been MP from there ever since. Is that really outdated then? Oh, is that a good thing? If you can continue with that level of support for that amount of time, yes, it could be considered a good thing because it's based on maybe a personalised vote. And I suppose doing the right thing for the people, if people are still supporting you, that's I, probably for a reason. Like, I guess. I'll give you an yeah, I'll give you an example. So in the seat above hers was a Lib Dem called Simon Hughes, who got elected roughly about the same time in 1982, 1983 in a by-election. Mm -hmm. um, and he held the seat till 2015. And he, but the reason he lost the seat was because the Lib Dems became very unpopular in that time. Okay. So that, so you can see how big figures get established in their seat, blah, blah, blah. But if they do things that their constituents don't like, they can get voted out. Right, I see. Okay. okay. So I wouldn't say that every MP is safe <laughs> and every seat is safe because yeah. I, you said about the elections that just happened mm -hmm. and the, the very reported on Hartley Pool by-election where the, the Labour Party had lost the seat for the first time in 50 years. Wow. Okay. Mm, and it was yeah. a big thing because... That's the first time that a Conservative has ever, pretty much in the last half century, ever represented that area. MPs can have massive, massive majorities and not face a rebellion in their own party if they feel that their party and themselves have a big enough mandate to carry on. In places like, as I said, it's Belfort and Surrey, where there is probably a very strong Conservative majority, M Peace, don't feel they have to go around the doors knocking, going, hello, I'm here. And it's not just Conservative MPs, Labour MPs in the North, you know, the, the Liberal Democrat MPs that used to be around, probably in the West Country, probably had the same thing where they thought, oh, they'll never vote me out. Turned out they right. did. That's quite, <laughs> that's quite interesting then, because every time that there's elections, at least in the area that I live in, I always, always get people knocking at our door from all parties, you know, asking who we're going to vote for. I used to get annoyed by it when I was younger, not just because they were knocking at my door. I'd be like, can you go away? TV's on. <laughs> but like, you know, it was sort of like, you don't need to know. And I think, again, that was sort of based on what Jess was saying earlier, how, you know, your politics is either what your parents sort of taught you when you were younger or I, I very much came up. Uh, was brought up to sort of not really discuss politics with people whereas now I feel very different about like I mean god we're doing a, a, po a podcast episode mm. on it but it's because I want that understanding I want and I want to be able to discuss other sides you know with people and, and understand it because you know it's always better to get the full circle and everything but um yeah I think that is interesting I think, some, I think some voters don't feel valued because they don't get that link between yeah. 
that would make sense uh, between too. parties coming and saying hi can i talk to you about stuff 100 yeah. percent. yeah you know and i think there is a lack of that kind of when when mps have strong majorities they don't they feel they don't need to do it now mm. that's not for me to say what they need to do or not do but i feel that i as a voter would definitely want someone to come and ask me and go yes. how's your life going how can i help I, yeah. I, I think for me personally, I would pref I would quite like that not just around an election. I yes. think sometimes it would be nice to have like a little check in every now and then with your MP. Or I, I don't know if it's just me thinking about like, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this uh, show, um, Rich, but Gilmore Girls, for example, they have oh, like... I love them. They have like their town hall meetings and stuff. Mm. I'm yeah. sure in my town they probably have those, but I'm not aware of them in the way that I would like to be, at least the way that movies and film portray or, and TV portray, because then you have that sense of community, you have that sense of understanding, and you feel a bit more, I, I would say, encouraged to vote and encouraged to feel a part of the politics that are happening in your town, in your city, in your country and everything. I think it is, yeah. um, if, if you're asking people to vote for you then that means you are trying to represent them if you're trying to represent them surely you should be part of them and trying to get their opinion mm -hmm. and I mean you know anyone who's listening who thinks otherwise that's fine but this is pretty much how yeah it makes you feel like you're so small and kind of insignificant in it yes. all that if you have anything to say it's not going to be heard because mm -hmm. it's no like they're not coming they're not within reach yeah. So, I mean, that's personally how I, I would feel. Yeah, no, I agree. Just, just for your listeners and your viewers' sake, I would say there are avenues definitely right. to go down. MPs do have what they call constituency surgeries. Okay. Okay, where the MP will come down for Parliament or or their, their the people they hire in Parliament to sit there and listen to uh, listen to you. And you can and you can go onto the Parliament website, or you can go onto your local MPs website and find out when they are doing that. Out of COVID time, that's quite regular, but right. you know, I'm sure they've been. Do hopefully, the the better MPs, I would say, have been doing digital surgeries. <laughs> but, right, I see. You know, so it's a bit like a GP. You can kind of go down and see them and say, "I'm having a real hard time with the my council tax," or "I'm having a really hard time with the NHS," or you know. And MPs are meant to go back. To Westminster and they're meant to go and talk and communicate with ministers and with government departments and say hey what's going on why isn't this getting sorted blah blah blah. right and there's other avenues so you can do petitions on the uh, parliament's website where you can get other people to kind of go yeah this is an issue I really want to discuss is discussed in parliament right and if you get above like a hundred thousand votes it is then discussed in parliament if it's in the remit yes uh, i think it's important to stress that that is why at least in the uk i can't speak for other countries but my understanding for the uk is that like if there's a petition that's going around and people are asking for your vote it's not just to um to immediately affect change straight away it's just for it to even just get noticed yeah absolutely and it's to raise the issues and you can become a campaigner yourself there is nothing stopping you as an individual mm. from writing campaigns yeah you like if i want donuts every friday i could make a petition <laughs> about that <laughs> and i'm That's, sure yeah. that is a petition that people will <laughs> find that one thoroughly, you know. <laughs> so behind that I was going to say that you see you see these petitions being shared quite a lot online so from that point of view I feel like things are quite accessible and you can mm. um, 
get on board with certain things a lot easier I guess nowadays because that we've got this sort of digital we've got yeah. access to to things online so that's great and and the other thing is that you, you think about it and we were talking about structures of government and this is what we're leading on to this question of well you just haven't got an MP you've got a whole mm. different things in between so for some people in some parts of the country and this is where it gets complicated yeah okay, okay. and I wrote a list okay you might have a parish councillor so you might have a little tiny council in your village or your town, which people go and sit on. Right. Okay? But you have the right, as someone living in that thing, to vote for your parish councillor. And the same if you live in a borough or you live in a district or you live in a unitary authority. You have a councillor that represents your ward on whatever authority you live under. Now, some people will have a parish, then a district, then a shire council for some people who live in, say, uh, Somerset or live in... It, this is where we get complicated. Well, I suppose, you know, <laughs> we're, we're quite big on analogies here. And yeah. um, the way that I can sort of try and simplify it for people is almost like your managers. Like, so you yeah. have a manager yes. uh, and um, you have a line manager and a whatever, like... Yeah, the line managers keep reporting up to the senior. Yes. Yeah, yes, totally. Like totally. So you there is different layers of government depending on where you live. So in London... In a borough, you'll have the borough council, mm-hmm. and you'll have the mayor of London and the Greater London Authority, which is what we voted for a couple of weeks ago. Right. Yes. And then you'll have your MP, and then you'll have the, the government. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's different levels that you know you have. You, as a constituent, whether you are above eighteen or not, it, you know, and whether you voted for that councillor, that MP, that whoever that person is you have the right to, to petition those people directly and oh, through, e- through email through telephone through letter you have the right to say hey i want to bring this issue up with you what are you going to do about it or how can you help me i've done it before because i've i've become so annoyed with something very little or no yeah, <laughs> or no, i've got no. something annoyed with something god you know what the only person i can deal with it is this person who is meant to represent me and they, they, they might not be from the same party and they might not agree with you that is a warning <laughs> well I think that's actually quite valid to say because um I mean this time last year when the Black Lives Matter movement uh, momentum just picked up like crazy we had um different uh, petitions going around but we also had a lot of people giving us templates of emails to then mm. send to our MPs and I had no clue who the MP was that I was emailing but I was like you're gonna hear from me like, you know, <laughs> like I, I want you to hear this so you know I think it is that like you said it's valid to, to know that yeah sometimes you will hopefully get a response and this is the problem if you don't get a response email back yep. keep going yeah because you don't the person who your area has elected, and notice I said your area, not you, because if you mm-hmm. did for that person, it can sometimes feel like, well, they're not going to listen to my views. Right, yes, yeah. Remember, they're politicians. Yeah. <laughs> they want your vote. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. will sway. If you, and if people make enough of a noise, that MP will sway, or that councillor will sway, or that whoever will sway, okay? Yeah. Because they don't want to find next time that they are then elected out of office. Yes. And that's the power you have as a voter. Okay, so let's get into the types of parties that we have in the UK. So could you just give us maybe like a couple of main points that would help our listeners know about 
each party. So what they stand for maybe and how they differ. Because ultimately, I do think that most parties are all of the same understanding that they're trying to represent people and do the best for most people. I think we can agree on that. It's just there's different ways that they go about it, I think. So Rich, please take it away and explain to us the UK parties. First of all, very diplomatically put, I'd like to say. (laughs) Uh, uh, Second, can I just make a clarification before we start? I'm not including the Northern Irish parties in this. You said UK, but I think if we go down that route, there's a whole swell (laughs) of difference there. Uh, And I'm not, because I'm not either Northern Irish or I'm not expert in Northern Irish politics, I'm going to leave those parties aside. So do your own research if you want to. No problem. Okay, so I'm going to focus on England, Scotland, Wales, okay? So what we call the big three, or some people would say big two, but the big three are the Conservatives, the Labour Party, and the Liberal Democrats. Over the last, now, three centuries, I'm talking the last three centuries, at some point, one of these parties has formed the government. Briefly, very briefly, go through the very quick history. And what I mean by history, literally give you a date rather than... <laughs> so, Conservatives, they were formed out of what was called the Tory party in the early 18th century. The Liberals, not the Liberal Democrats, the Liberals were formed from the Whig party. And they used to be the old dominant parties before we became a full democratic country so you used to have something called rotten boroughs where only men of a certain class could vote and it wasn't a democratic election as if anyone's seen the brilliant horrible histories clip of rotten boroughs if you haven't i would go and watch it it's very funny before that you had two called the Whigs and the tories they evolved into the liberal and the conservative parties and they were dominant in politics throughout the 19th century until the turn of the 20th century. And then you have the Labour Party who came out of the trade union movements. Trade unions came from the fact that you had a right to appoint a union to look after your kind of well-being in your employment place. And this came out of the Industrial Revolution in the Victorian era, where mm-hmm. you used to have bosses basically tell you, you'd be working for this for this many hours. The socialist movement that came out of that formed the Labour Party in the late 19th century. And then once the vote expanded after, especially after World War I, where more women were allowed to vote, mm. and then more men of working class were allowed to vote as well, they overtook the Liberals and became the, the second dominant party. So when you came to the start of the 20th century, you had this real struggle between, there now becomes three major parties. And that struggle is still going on about where we're going. You know, are we a liberal country? Are we, you know, are we socialist or a right country? And then you have the other parties, which you want me to talk about. So you have the nationalist parties in Scotland and Wales. So the SNP and Plaid Cymru, whose opinion are, that Scotland and Wales should be independent countries from the UK and what they really mean is from England and they've got a view of well, we as Scottish as Welsh should have our own independent future because we are not tied into Great Britain that's what or, or the UK that's there and then you've got two other kind of parties you've got the Green Party the Green Party announced it into three different parties in Wales, Scotland, or oh, four, sorry, yeah, that's so three 
in Wales, in England, Scotland, and Northern Ireland, but they actually used to be one party. But they now believe in, in they don't believe in independence unless they're Scottish. What they believe is actually that each country should decide for themselves whether they want to remain part of the union or they want to go their individual ways. But they believe in ecology. They believe in environmental practices should be at the heart of government decisions. Mm-hmm. They, the, the environmentalism in itself is a political movement as much as socialism, liberalism and conservatism is. And then you've got <laughs> UKIP slash Brexit party. <laughs> they are fundamentally Eurosceptic parties. They believe that the United Kingdom should be an independent nation away from the European continent. So just to go back over the main big three, though, so obviously yeah. we've said that Green Party is, you know, based on environmental sort of factors, UKIP and um, anything Brexit related is obviously to go away from Europe. Um, can we just break down a little bit more just for, I just wanted to mm. make sure that we're sort of simplifying it a little bit more for our listeners, for anyone who isn't quite understanding. The difference between Conservative, um, Liberal and Labour, please. Absolutely. So Conservative Party stand for conservatism, conservative values. So they it's not that they believe things should hold still and that everything should stay very traditional. It's more that things should change and evolve with consideration and slower movement. Okay. Okay. So they are they stand, well, especially in the 1980s and 1990s, they stand for traditional values. That's less prevalent today. But the conservatism is the idea that one nation, the whole of the United Kingdom, is best together. It's best working as a a business-oriented capitalist market. Okay? Right. So it's about basically the idea that you as an individual should be able to go and work where you would like to work and you make that terms of agreement with your employers so that your life is then allowed to progress based on your status and your wealth and your opportunities. Could you argue then that a conservative view is a bit more of like an independent sort of thing? Like it's in, it's encouraging you to think about yourself as opposed yes. to... Yes, I would agree with that. I would, I'd say conservatism is about the individual yes. mm-hmm. as well as about a strong state supporting the individual. Now, right. some people would yeah, that makes that makes that. sense. So, yeah, I think that yeah. makes sense. So, conservative conservatism is a party that believes in the individual. Mm-hmm. So, everyone supporting the irony of that is quite funny, actually. So, everyone coming together in that party to support themselves. To support themselves. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I'll leave your viewers and your listeners yep. to think again, how that one rolls again, out. Um, yeah, okay. We'll definitely yeah. leave links and stuff in the description for you to. We'll go. Well, there's a good one called Simple Politics. We'll add mm. in our description so everyone can do like their own research or whatever if you like and we're not trying to put anything on we're just literally trying to break everything down here so we understand it absolutely right so labor and labor so labor is a socialist party now people go oh whoa whoa socialism socialism that's linked to communism whoa whoa, whoa." no i was about to say what does that mean like what does socialism (laughs) mean because i've only ever heard it used by people who are very against it i'm like as in, in a tone like oh you're a socialist i'm like what (laughs) (laughs) so socialism is the idea that society is there to look after everybody in that society and that that collectively and i think this that word might trigger people i'm just warning you collectively that people can build the lives better through social action 
So it's okay. better together. Better together. Okay. And that is based on that trade union tradition. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that kind of showcases how Labour and Conservative are are kind of opposite ends yeah. of the spectrum. Right. And then in between, and bless them, you've got, <laughs> you've got liberal, liberal, liberalism. Yes. Okay. And now liberalism is the middle road of both. Right. It is liberalism. I mean, not right. Middle. <laughs> middle. Middle. They believe in individual freedoms based on a system which supports the society that you live in. Right. So I mean, why so it's, it's a like, bit of both. <laughs> so it's almost like they're trying to help each other's parties out by saying, yes, we want to be individual, but we can do that by doing it together. <laughs> Liberalism worldwide, and it's not just a UK thing. So, for example, in America, the Democrats are probably more liberals than they are socialists. Yes. Okay. So, liberalism is the belief that you as an individual should be able to prosper and work but you should be supported by a system which wants you to be safe which wants you to be looked after which wants mm-hmm. you to have the best standards of life mm-hmm. and it also comes down to i'm going to let you live your own life because it is up to you right because you so for example liberalism works on the very basis of going equal rights for all yeah i don't believe that somebody who has a different religion is better than somebody else who has no religion mm-hmm. because that is their life and as long as they are doing it legally and as long as it's being done within the realms of the state which is fine but also i want a country where <laughs> we have strong security because i don't yeah. want yeah and we have strong economic growth so it as you, it is a real difficult line to be a liberal because what you want the, a bit of everything you want a bit of everything and then mm. if you go one way people turn around and go wait a minute you're that's very well, that's very right wing or you yeah. go the other way go yeah Whoa, you're, what are you doing that's very socialist mm. it's interesting mm. isn't it with from a liberal um point of view because it's almost like somewhat you could say the most rounded in some ways because they are understanding everyone's point of view they you know they might not be agreeing with it but they they're sort of seeing yes well this element works and this element works it's almost like trying to make some perfect you know Mm. circle of world but other people who are so one way or the other they can't fathom that maybe I, I don't know it's it's in my head I'm trying to find all the different ways and analogies and stuff that I can think of of ways to understand it and god I just wish there was a Pixar movie or something to show it because <laughs> you just the way I sort of see it is the the way that we've explained it you've got the people who are like you know all together all together all together and then you've got the people like no 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 me 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 sort of thing and then you've got the people who's like oh well we can do a bit of both and then you I think of like green parties over here like yeah I see what you're all doing but hello the world like you know can we like (laughs) and then the other people over here yeah and then the other people being like oh like I see what you're saying but like can we just focus on not being all of this it's it's quite funny thinking of all them as characters almost I think it helps a bit more and as as an electorate you can understand why people are confused yes does that make sense and um that's their old it's the old Churchill quote of democracy is the the best of a worst system yeah so to paraphrase him yeah Mm. You are, as an individual, wanting to go, I want to find a party that is is linking up to my beliefs and right. my way of wanting to live and my, mm. what I see is happening in my world. The problem with that idea is that no party is going to tick every single box. And this is why mm. I think in a democracy, some will argue with me about this, it's not 
always good to have 100% of people voting because there are people who just can't make a link between parties and they might not want to vote. So in Australia, there is compulsory voting, but there's also a there is also a box which says, I do not want any of these, any of the above. Right. <laughs> and- I can't imagine what would happen if we had that as an option in the UK, as in if it said, I vote for no one. Like, it would, <laughs> I suppose it'd be... It'd be the lot, same as not turning up to vote, really, wouldn't it? I think I think some people would get that would be a majority in some of them. <laughs> Understanding all of the political parties for anyone who is either in the UK or not, or not in the UK listening and trying to understand UK government, I do think that there is a lot of resources that are helpful. Hopefully, this podcast being one of them, but also you know different links that we'll we'll include and that you can find. And if you have any actually to share with us, please do comment down below. But I also think it would be nice that this information was broken down as, as Rich has kindly given us to us today. I'm hopeful that this is also happening in schools in a, um, again, in a neutral way so that you are given that basic understanding. Literally, that's all you need with this because then you're, like you said before, Rich, your life experience then ties into these things. The, the mm. way that you're living your life will impact which type of party you're interested in and to be honest I've, I've said it as well I think most parties all do have something in common as well which can be why it's a little bit confusing which party to vote for because you're like well they actually stand for what I like as well and so do they and so do they it's trying to I guess which one has the more boxes ticked for you totally um, and I think they've done some really good research into where you are in your life it depends on which party you will vote for yeah, and, and and where you live in the UK is where you. So, for example, um, in a very prosperous area. So we live in Kingston. You know, Richmond's the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it's they're Liberal Democrats, because, right. uh, and they're not Labour. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason that is is because people are <laughs> do want that individual choice. Yeah. they do. They feel that equality is brilliant. Yes, fantastic. But they want to make individual choices as well. Yeah. If you look at some bar, so for example, uh, and I'm not generalising here, Barking in Dagenham is one of the poorest boroughs in London. And the social deprivation in certain parts of it can become extremely, uh, and it's not necessarily the traditional working class deprivation that we're talking about. We're talking about basically people who aren't, aren't able to, need to go to uh, food banks and who haven't got secure employment yeah mm-hmm. there's a real fight at the moment between conservatism and or oh, conservatives and labor in those sort of areas because there's a real fight between actually which way do we want to go and live our lives do we want a really strong government that will allow us to become you know and that conservative view will allow us mm-hmm. to kind of gain the opportunities to get employment and to get wealth and to move our way up the status ladder or do we want a collectivism which will look after us. And it's a really hard... That is hard. That's very hard. I can't imagine what that sort of feeling is, especially if you're living in that area. We're very privileged, we know, to be living in the areas that we are, where that isn't... um, that isn't the top priority for us at all and I I can understand um, and maybe this is something that we probably should move on to is why people don't vote um, and maybe why Mm. I mean there's so many ways and reasons I think for why we would want to encourage them and actually I I might save that to the end of that story because I would like to just quickly cover um, right now what the most recent election was for an understanding of everyone how um that will affect us how the public um are going to be affected by the election that we just had two three weeks ago okay it, uh, and it goes back to what i was saying it depends on where you live okay okay. <laughs> okay so if you're in wales or scotland you've basically voted for your new 
national government. This was a local election, wasn't it? It wasn't in a general. London, in London, okay, it was a set of what they call local elections, but that's a bit undermining to Scotland and Wales and Northern ah, Ireland. Okay. Basically, COVID happened and delayed a load of elections, first of right. all. Okay. And we got what we called a, the America, they would say a super election, but for us, it was basically Super Thursday, where we had a swing of everybody in Great Britain, not Northern Ireland, everyone in Great Britain had a vote for something. Okay. So it might have been your local council, uh, some called your police and crime commissioners, mm -hmm. which we don't have in London, but you would have had in Surrey. Um, mm -hmm. They're basically, they oversee your local police force. In London, that's the mayor of London's job. So in London, we didn't have our borough elections. We had a local, our local assembly election, which basically the mayor of London, who looks after the transport, the police, uh, some so like you know some of the things like big projects so crossrail airports that sort of maybe not airports as more government but like they throw into it uh, and water that sort of stuff and then you have it's a big job um, and then you have a assembly members which are basically people who scrutinise what the mayor of London does so they're like MPs okay. but they are in they don't have any powers to vote anything. They can't create policy, but they scrutinise the Mayor of London in the policy making he, he or she will make. I know we've not had a female London Mayor yet, but hopefully at some point we will, because bless them, there was more female candidates who would were on that list, mm. I doubted, than maybe there, there would have been in the past. And hopefully one day we do get a female mayor. So the point being is the way, and go back to that piece of paper that you were showing up, Reed. You got two votes, well, actually you got three votes, you got one for your mayor and you got a second choice for your mayor. So if a candidate didn't get 50% of the first vote, they'd count up all the party votes and all the candidate votes for everybody except the top two. Basically, everybody, everybody's votes below the top two candidates would be recounted for their second preference. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there... For example, so a lot of people who voted Green and voted Liberal in the first box, and this is from the data I've seen, have then voted Sadiq Khan the second box so that they made sure that their preference for that second candidate happened, okay? I think it's quite interesting, that whole method, isn't it? Because it's like a um, it's very strategic. And I feel like, I, I don't mind sharing this, I don't feel like I'm a very strategic voter, if I'm being honest. If anything, I'm, I probably sound like a more conservative voter. I, I'm not, just to put that out there. But, um, but I, I vote for who I would like, as opposed to who I think would win, which probably isn't very strategic at all. <laughs> there is a lot of talk at the moment about election packs and strategic voting and and. It's actually traditionally has happened a lot in the past. So there is a lot of strategic underlying voting gone that, that people don't realise is actually happening every single day. Mm. And I've done it. I've gone, actually, I, I won't tell you what my preferences are, but I voted for a candidate that I've gone, actually, I'd rather have that candidate than maybe the, the person who's in charge at the moment because mm. I don't know the person who's in charge at the moment. Yeah. Right. So and, maybe maybe Australia's onto something then by saying I'd rather not. I don't like any of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Possibly. I, 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 and I think we'd probably have a very fairer elections if that was an absolute... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mandating mandatory voting here. I'm just saying right. that option of, I don't want any of these. Can we have another... Can, <laughs> I think, yeah, I, yeah, I think I... Because part of me would... I'm, I very much understand the people who do not vote. And I know a lot of people really do not understand it and they get very angry mm. about it I, I understand it but for me personally 
coming from a very very feminist point of view here like my great grandmother was part of like the movement I just think of the amount of women I I, mm. I cannot not think about the suffragettes when any time I vote I just can't I cannot like remove it from my brain I think these women went through so much to be able to give us our opportunity to vote I always have Mary uh is it Mary Pop yeah Mary Poppins in my head of the sister suffragette song every time I go to vote I think of all the women in the world who still do not have that right so I find it very hard even though I understand a lot of people's points of views for either not liking the candidates that we have at, or and, and elsewhere in the world that they, they don't like the candidates that are available or up for um for votes and stuff in the elections I understand that I just I can't um break that point away personally I can't break the fact that I have a, a right to vote and I want to mm. use that 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 right yeah and then it's just like well should we be choosing the best out of a bad bunch yeah it's just like it's such a dilemma isn't it, it it's is. like we've got it this is. amazing right that we should be exercising but what if what's put in front of you you don't agree with any of it you're right you're right it, it is it's difficult I think it is a and, I, bit, and I, I think it comes down to that point you were saying that's just kind of how do people make that dilemma when they're sit when they literally are going to that voting booth and going I have a democratic right right to do this because yeah. even as a man I'd like to say exactly the same reason I go to vote is because of the suffragette movement I, and I think yeah. we, we just state that clearly that yeah. just mm-hmm. you're a man that doesn't mean oh you're, absolutely uh, you have that same impulse in you going actually no wait no women had to fight for this right to well, vote but and, also and, like you said Rich historically not all men did have the right either it's it's mm. also a gained right in itself for any type of person you are the fact that you have it the only people who like you said who have never had to think about this were the people who had extreme wealth so you know, I mean, we we can very much argue what is extreme wealth today, but um, <laughs> yeah, very... having a title doesn't necessarily mean you're extremely wealthy. Yes, now not, not at all, not yeah. at all. But, but maybe that's that's a better thing than the, what we had. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'd, I'd argue we've definitely made big improvements, but still room for more. <laughs> um, okay, so with the with the most recent election, then you're saying it's all for different reasons i guess or different areas different parts so moving forward this is sort of how it's affecting your individual area then not maybe not so much as a nation as a whole yeah because of the nature of those elections and because of the way that different powers and different functions are unlike a general election there is no clear-cut winner or loser yes i was yeah. about to say yeah. so general election is to cover the majority or that to it affects the whole whole country the whole country yeah under the coalition government there was something that was called the fixed term parliaments which said that an election had to take place every five years previously it was the prime minister who went i would like an election please went asked uh, queenie and queenie would normally say yes depending right. on what was going on very rarely would she say no so there's fixed terms now where we will have a general election so we had one 2019 and it's the next five one, years every five years not every it used to be kind of roughly every four years right because of the coalition, both the Liberal Democrats and the Conservatives kind of wanted stability that they would be able to have a full term without one of them triggering a general election. Because (laughs) (laughs) pretty much a, well, I'm not going to walk out the room (laughs) situation. Uh, Between those, we have every four years, your local area will have a council or borough or shire or unitary or whatever. That's when we have these kind of mini cycles of elections and the same with the Scottish, the Welsh, uh, 
parliaments, the Northern Ireland Assembly and the London Assembly. So that's why we've had those ones. Yeah. So I always get the years mixed up. I always have in my head. I don't know why. I think it's obviously because we also uh, pay attention to so many. Well, uh, some of us pay attention to um, other political Mm. elections taking place. And sometimes it's not even elections, but there's just it's voting for something There always seems to be voting, whether it's for a TV thing or I don't know, there's always (laughs) voting happening. So in my head, I'm like, right, is it two years? Is it four years? Is it three years? Is it five? I get so mixed up. So general is five. Can I just I'll give you a link. The Electoral Commission website, the people who are there, they know when (laughs) elections are coming up. Ah, they will or there's a little banner on their website which says the next elections in you'll type your postcode in and it will say the next elections in your web are this and this and this okay perfect thank you okay i'll put that i I will check that out but i'll put that in the description for the electoral commission is a great website for that because you then you you know whether you're part of the next election or you're not part of the next election does that right i see yeah uh, so generals are every five years with possible changes coming up and then locals are every four years assemblies are every four years so i mean this moves on to our last point that we wanted to talk about which was you know and i mean we've briefly touched on it as well about the importance of voting and and all the significance of it and and kind of what we would sort of want to maybe say or understand or whatever to those who do not vote or they think that it doesn't matter and stuff and there is some validity in, into that i think but I, I wanted to sort of get your opinion on that and and your take on everything so for those who do not feel like voting matters or they feel like it there's there's no one for them to vote like what what do you feel about work? so first of all i'd like to say i a lot of people would turn around and say you need to vote i am not one of those people i just like to say that for now the reason i say that and it's because you are an individual and you have the right to choose whether you vote or not so just to clear that up before we go into that next question okay why is it important to vote well for a start it's important to vote because you as an individual have a right and you have an aspect of your life that you have control over okay we do not live in north korea (laughs) Uh, we do not live in you know communist china you know we 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 live in a democracy that's still alive and is still dependent on us agreeing to how the government govern us. Now, because we don't live in a system where every vote is equal, I can understand why people go, well, I voted last time and it made no difference. And I've been voting for a decade and it makes no difference. I have to understand because the system you live under is based on the majority. And if you are not in that majority, you feel disheartened. Mm. Yeah. And we were talking about this a little bit earlier about when you contact your MP and, you know, mm-hmm. I always say when election times come around and people go, oh, we know what's going to happen. There's going to be a majority of this and there's going to be, I go, you know what, at the end of the day, everyone starts at zero. Every candidate on every ballot paper starts at zero. Nobody is guaranteed a vote. Mm-hmm. Your vote could be the difference between someone you want or someone else you don't want getting into that elected position. Well, oh, I really like that that notion that you've just said there. I feel like that's almost like an IGTV moment here. <laughs> the fact that every person who is up for being voted for, they are not guaranteed the vote, but you are guaranteed to give your vote. I think that's quite it's an really important, important thing. That you think of it as actually you that person who is elected has to win my vote. Mm. That mm-hmm. They need to, me. They, <laughs> not I need them. They need you. Yeah. <laughs> they need you. And I think we oh, are empowered suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are powerful. You're the electorate. Yeah. Everybody, you know, 
there is only a very limited number of reasons in this country that you don't get their vote. And that is, mm. if you're a member of the royal family, <laughs> <laughs> if you're in the House of Lords, and if you're, if you're a certain type of prisoner, and if you're under the age of 18, or you're mentally, you can't mentally function to be able to vote, yeah? yeah. Those are the only reasons you can't vote. And you think about the millions and millions of people that leaves open who can vote. Now, going back to that reason of why don't people vote, it's because they are disheartened by the system that rejects their votes. Mm. And I absolutely understand that. Yeah, I think we all do. I think <laughs> we, we all do. do. I, think, I think we all get, you know, we have a system, the first part of the first uh, government, which means the majority of the people won't actually, and it sounds a bit weird, why a majority of people, their votes won't count. And that sounds so bad and bitter. I'm not advocating saying there's a better system and there's not a better system because that's not what this is about. But it's about going, well, actually, if you think about it, you have to go and think about your local area and what's best for you because it is a local vote. It affects the national government, but it's your local MP who's sitting there looking at your local area. You have to go and decide if that person who you're sending to Parliament is worthy of your vote from your local area. I think that must be quite hard, actually, when you think of it like that, because as in it, that is the right way to think of it. What is hard about it is that what we see in the media is a party that we have not elected or someone that you haven't, you know, that you don't um, relate to. <laughs> so I think I, I think that can be that that is a very well put and a better way for me to sort of get my head around understanding why people find that difficult to and and I think in some ways for myself like I wouldn't I can understand maybe how one party might work better for my area but I don't vote for that party because I want the overall party to be the one that I like but you know yeah no no totally and I think that's I think that's the hard when you're getting told by the national media yes that, that the prime minister needs your vote because or whatever does that make sense you end up going oh it's not about my local vote it's not about me it's about this party who are in Westminster mm. and you know outside London which remember a lot of the votes aren't in London it's outside uh, they go well wait a minute that's very scary for me because I'm remote from that decision making capital that's doing x y and z you know and mm. I think I'm not naive. No, no national politician is ever going to go. Oh, by the way, investigate your local, <laughs> your local area, vote accordingly, because they they know that if they do that, that they risk a significant amount of votes being lost because the people will then look at their own area and go, actually, what is best for my area? And we were talking about the difference between somewhat a very prosperous area and a very deprived area, and them having to make difficult and different decisions based on their local area circumstances. I think it matters more in those areas, I'm talking about swing seats again, where they're having a more, they're, 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 and it's more interesting for someone like me, <laughs> where those seats, because that tussle between actually what do we want as a local populace? Do we want a government or do we want ourselves? Blah, blah, whatever reason. I applaud people who are listening and who are watching this to go, just think about what your circumstances in your vote matters to you in mm. your heart. Don't be swayed by a big, scary national media campaign which goes, oh, we'll do this, do it. Go, actually, what is this person who's standing in my area going to do for me? And I think if we yeah. had more people thinking like that, we would have better politics. I wanted to ask, you know, people try and predict what they think the outcome is going to be. Do you think that's actually quite harmful? Because people might read that and think, 
well actually there's no point me going and voting mm. because well yeah. look this person's going to win because they've already predicted that do you think it's best to sort of maybe avoid the media around voting time and like you said just sort of focus on what's best for your you in your area there is a balance to be had so there is a law currently in the country that on election day you are not allowed to show any polls and you are not allowed to show any political coverage on and you're not even as an individual allowed to say how you voted on online really mm. um there a lot of people do and that's fine mm. but when a for example a news company says oh it's election day they always run under the thing saying please don't tell us how you voted in this does that make sense especially on election day my personal view of this is i do not believe polls actually help people make decisions i like you said it's actually quite dangerous because it might it's it's a thing of saying oh well we're testing what the reaction of the politics is and so that we know what a rough outcome is going to be and therefore people feel stability for the election process and i go well actually <laughs> is that poll or the series of polls that will come out actually persuading people that this is going to be the outcome so they then are disengaged and go oh, okay well if that party's going to win then what's the point of me voting? What's mm. the point of me taking part in this process if it's already a, a done deal? But it's not mm. a done deal because the per no one's voted yet. <laughs> I would mm. actually have a thing of saying what you can do is you can say the day before that election is called, this is where the parties, the percentage of the vote might be. And then after that election, it's blind. It's kind now, of, again, like so many other events of voting and, and stuff. It's like the the bookies favorites it's sort of think of it like so, that yeah <laughs> instead it, of it being like it, some um some concrete statistic fact or something which it's not like no, you, no, not like at all. Uh, can something be a statistic fact that hasn't happened yet it's not yeah absolutely and this is why i love election data not the politics of it the actual data yeah. of the elections because that is a real human figure right That's does like that make time that is a real humans voting that's not someone saying oh well they're going to get this and that's why when there are electoral upsets as in people have not voted in the actual presumed winner it's brilliant because you go huh, that's democracy <laughs> <laughs> that's what do you know what i mean that yeah. either that candidate got too arrogant or that party got too arrogant and then didn't do the actual work to get elected then they get put out of power which is what yeah. democracy is i think people believe that democracy is about you having your say and that's the end of it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. it's you having your say and then having your say again and again and again and again and again and in between those says you have the right to campaign to disagree to argue to fight to do whatever you want not fight is it please yeah. don't. <laughs> <laughs> not going back Throwing punches <laughs> I'm, I'm a peaceful man but do you know what yes. i mean um, you have the right to say what you want and do what you want in terms of going, I want to campaign for this and go here and do this. As long as it's peaceful protest and as long as it's legal, you know, I'm not advocating people. No, no, we know. I feel like from this whole conversation here, the biggest part that I'm taking from this, and I hope that our listeners are taking from this, is it is in your hands. It's your in your hands to decide 
your beliefs, your morals, your, your your party, the party that you that you agree with. And and if that changes, also there's no judgment there. That's absolutely fine because one, like Richard said, it could be to do with the timeline in your life where you are. It could be to do with the position that you're in, whether that's financially, whether geographically, that there's so many factors that all point towards it's up to you. It's your decision. Mm-hmm. And we're not here to um to try and tell you who to vote for at all in any no, type of no. election here. And again, this is also for anyone who's um international here. We we say the same thing. You know, it, it it is up to you. If you have your right to vote, we encourage you to choose what you would like to do with that vote, whether you choose to use it and you make an informed decision based on what is happening in your area great and if you decide that it's not your time to vote we understand you know and i think this is such an interesting discussion and i hope this encourages anyone listening to have open discussions about politics that doesn't mm. have to end in conflict or huge mm. arguments. ask questions yes Absolutely. i think yeah. that's what you just said there ask questions Definitely. ask questions of your friends ask questions of the people who are elected or the people who want to be elected yes. Do not stick yourself in a box and go, I'm not part of this. Yes. Even if you choose Mm. after all that, you don't want to vote, you've still participated in that process. Yes. And if if we are to become a better society, we have to understand that you are empowered. Mm. I feel empowered from this. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, we, we definitely want to have more discussions like this. And I think this would be great to go into more depth, especially as time goes on to see what happens post pandemic and stuff. So thank you so much, Rich, for talking with us so far about all of this. And hopefully we can have you back to talk much more in depth about other things. Um, I'd like to just quickly move on to our last question, which we ask all of our guests, which is what makes up your circle? I think my fiance, James, said this as well. We make up each other's circles, but also I have a really strong set of friends who I will absolutely not live without. Mm-hmm. And I think the COVID pandemic has really taught me that they are my close circle, as well as my family. I'd like to point out I am loved and I love them. <laughs> <laughs> but you have your chosen family, which are your friends. And, and I- my friends, but mm-hmm. it's, it's totally, I think due to during the last pandemic, I've learned so much that how much we need each other as human beings yeah. and they are my circle. And I'm so lucky to have my circle as well. I just like to say that. I think oh, I some people in society don't have that. Mm-hmm. And I think I think reach out to the people and have a circle. Find a circle. Yes, have a circle. I have love circle. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um today's episode, obviously, we like to dedicate every episode to an organization, a charity, or a small business. And today, of course, with our guest Rich, we've asked him to uh, give provide us with one, and that is Amnesty International, which is a cause that I absolutely love. Um, Rich, do you want to just quickly explain to everyone what that is and how they can get involved? Amnesty International are an organisational group who help prisoners and people who, especially abroad, who are campaigning for their rights. And there are a lot of convictions that happen that aren't, um, well, I've democratic or judiciary, uh, depending on that country. And they really, really support people who have horrible existences at the moment. And it's not, I think just clear, it's not political. It's about the rights of people. And I just want to say that. (laughs) No, it is. It is. It's literally about human rights. They stand up for human rights in the most incredible ways, in my my opinion. I think it's very brave. I think it shows a lot of strength in what they do. And I I absolutely love that you've chosen this to dedicate today's episode to. So we'll put in the information in the description as always. We'll make sure to put how to follow them on Instagram. But Rich, you were saying as well, you can make donations. Is that right? You, yeah, you can certainly make donations, and and actually through some 
and it's really weird, um, through some people's pay packages, actually, they might, your organisation might offer this, that they take a little sub out of your pay packet and and then the your company that you work for actually have to give them donations as well, which I've done before, wow. which is really good. And you can yeah. select, and that can be for any charity. It doesn't just have to be on soon <laughs> So if you've got that option with your employer, go for it because then a little bit of money goes a long way. I think for them also, just look on their website and see what they campaign about because I think a lot of it will be what you agree with if you are, you know, if you're a Democrat, if you're, if you are, if, well, if you not, just say, like humans yeah. as well, you know. I know it's so hard to say just be a nice human <laughs> without being a political statement, but yeah, it, you, no, know, right. it, you know, just they do so much good without people realizing how much they good they actually do. And if you can support them in any way, please do. And, and please remember that's also some of this money is also going towards when we say human rights and people, for example, in um, prisons or whatever sort of legal thing, it could be paying for their lawyers, you know, it could be paying for just legal help that can help them get out of situations it, that they should never even been in. So um, agree. definitely please support it. Thank you for providing us with that. And thank you so much for chatting with us today. It's been brilliant. So, thank you, Rich. Really, it's so informative. I yeah. really hope your viewers and your listeners <laughs> haven't fallen asleep halfway through. <laughs> if you've made it this far. Go back and press play again. <laughs> <laughs> and no, honestly, I've had, the I've had the time of my life and it's so much fun. And I, of course, if you want me to come back, I, of course, will oh, do. Absolutely. So, well, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please make sure to like and subscribe. You can stream us now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and make sure to subscribe to this channel and thank you so much. We'll see you for our next episode. Bye. Bye.